Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. We're kicking off a brand new four-week message series that's called Red Flags. And uh, what are red flags? Well, they're kind of like stop signs. They're kind of like red lights. Red flags are these warnings that, that we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit to assess the situation at hand. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at four um, relational red flags that really all of us should watch out for so that we can experience healthier relationships, both in the church setting and in our personal relationships. And so today, if you got your Bible or smartphone, uh, make your way to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. If you didn't bring either of those, we'll have what you need up on the screens today. But 1 John chapter 1, that is not John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. So a little bit later towards the back end of, um, of your Bible or scripture. And uh, if you're taking notes today, I've entitled today's message, The Red Flag of Isolation. The Red Flag of Isolation. Hey, let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit's blessing over our time together. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This past week, I read a new um, a new study that was kind of, um, kind of shocking to me. Um, the study indicated that they had evaluated thousands of people, and what they discovered was that the average person, now listen to this, the average person is holding on to 13 secrets, 13 secrets, and five of those 13 secrets they've shared with nobody. And I think what's interesting about this is that the study kind of reveals that all of us in this room have something in common, that we all know what it's like to have a secret and to hope that that secret doesn't get out. Maybe the secret is something like a lie that we told to somebody, or maybe it's that we've harmed someone, or we violated somebody's trust, or maybe we've got a secret hobby that nobody knows about. Ladies, that would be shopping for my wife. Um, but, um, but we have these like, or hidden relationships, or maybe, maybe you stole something and you, you've never wanted anybody to know that, that you did that. Or maybe you've grown discontent at work and you're just kind of going through the motions. Or maybe for you, there's a, a financial impropriety in your past. What we see in this study is that is that we have in common that all of us have secrets. Now, it's not the secret itself that becomes the red flag in our relationships, but it's how we choose to respond with those secrets. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. This kind of frames our talk. That it's okay to have a private life, but it's not okay to have a secret life. It's okay for us to have a private life, but it's not okay for us to have a secret life. Now, there's a big difference between privacy 
and secrecy. You see, privacy is all about setting healthy boundaries. And uh, I'm kind of excited. We're going to be launching a new six-week series right after Easter that's related to boundaries. And we're going to talk about boundaries in our personal life, boundaries in in marriages, boundaries in uh, various relationships. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more after Easter. But but there's a difference between the healthy boundaries that we set and secrecy, which replaces healthy boundaries with a wall. Now, you can tell the difference between what's private and what's secret because anything that we have that is secret is usually motivated by one of two emotions. It's either motivated by the emotion of, of shame which shame is this, this kind of embarrassment of the sin, the mistake that, that we made, and, and we grow concerned, right? Concerned about what people are going to say about it if they hear or find out or what they're going to think about it, or the emotion of fear. And fear is when we get afraid of what will happen if someone finds out. It's, it's, it's what, what are people going to do and how are they going to act different towards me? And so what do we do when, when we feel these feelings of shame and fear and they drive us to, to moving out of this kind of private life into a secret life? Well, our natural instinct is to isolate. Our natural instinct is to either pull away from everybody and everything, or it's to pull away from specific areas of our life. And I want to be kind of clear about today's message and what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that we never need to pull away from people or situations in our life. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that oftentimes... The thing that we do to shield us or to protect us from the pain of our secrets is actually the thing that destroys us the most. Do you catch that? The thing that we actually do, the isolation to try to protect us from the pain and the mistakes and the sin that we have committed in our past is actually the very thing that destroys us the most. I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter one today, because I think that I think that this passage that we're going to read, I think it helps us understand why isolating with our secrets is so dangerous. But then it also helps us to understand what we should do instead. Now, First John is written by the disciple John, and if you don't know, John was obviously one of the twelve disciples, but John was also one of Jesus's inner three. Like he was one of Jesus's kind of confidants, like Jesus, when he would want to go away and not have the whole crowd with him, he would bring John and he would bring Peter and he would bring James. And so they were, they were kind of like Jesus's closest friends. And it's kind of interesting, like that whole dynamic and how it relates to us that that there should be kind of rings of relationships where, where we get as the people that get closer and closer to us that understand us the most, that, that that group of people should get smaller and smaller. And so what's interesting about what John writes about is that, that he, he sees Jesus in a way that most of the other people didn't see him. 
And I think this is why John starts off in 1 John chapter 1 with this really amazing statement. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Now look what he says, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands that he is the word of life. I find that so cool because what John's saying is that, 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 you know, Jesus and the stories and all this kind of thing was not something that I just overheard from another table at a restaurant, but it's something that I saw with my own eyes. It's something that I heard with my own ears, that it's, that Jesus is somebody that I touched with my own hands. And I want you to notice what John begins to say in verse five. And I want you to pay close attention to what John writes about light and dark. And I want you to pay close attention because maybe what John is saying in these verses, maybe it doesn't quite mean what we've thought that it means. In 1 John chapter one, starting in verse five, he says, this is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but, but we go on living in spiritual darkness, that we're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight, if we claim that we have no sin, that we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just, faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. You know, around the, um, around the church here for the last couple of years, we've been doing, uh, doing a lot of renovations and these renovations are, are being done so that we can prepare for what we believe um, God is wanting to do through our church in the coming years. And like with any renovation, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to kind of break down what's currently existing in order to rebuild the new. And so this morning, I want to take just a moment and I want to kind of break down what maybe we've assumed this passage means in the past. And I want to rebuild it with another idea. You see, most people in the Bible, we believe that Uh, The Bible is all about doing good things and not doing bad things, right? That the Bible is all about here's all the good things that you do and here's all the bad things that you're supposed to avoid. And because of that, what we do is we read a passage of scripture like this and we assume that light automatically equals good and we assume that dark automatically equals evil, And in some ways, and in some cases, this can be true. But in this specific case, walking in the light can't mean that we are living a life 
without sin. Let me show you in verse eight where it says that if we claim that we have no sin, then we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so earlier, a couple more scriptures before, God is talking about being in the light and that there's fellowship there with God when we are in the light. And so think about this for a moment. Like God wouldn't say that I'll have fellowship with everyone who walks in the light and then turn around on the other side of his mouth and say, if you say that you have no sin, then you're going to fool yourself and you're not living in the truth. And so what is John trying to tell us with this idea of darkness and light? Friend, I think it's as simple as this. Let me ask you a question. With the lights out, did I become more sinful? And the answer is no, but I did become more hidden. Now, if we bring the lights back up, As the lights come up, did I become more righteous? No, but I did become more revealed. I want the lights to go down again for a second, and I want to illustrate this, what I believe that John is trying to communicate in this passage of Scripture today. You see, walking in the light doesn't mean that everything in our life is right. It doesn't mean that we live a perfect life. It doesn't mean that we are absent of sin. You see, walking in the light means that nothing in our life is actually hidden. That nothing is hidden. You see, what most of us do in our life is we perfect, right? We perfect the art of the spotlight. And so here's how this, here's how this works in our life is that we only shine the light on the areas of our life that we're proud of. The things that we feel like people will accept of us, the decisions that we've made, the behavior, we're only willing to shine the light on that, but all the areas of our life that we're ashamed of, that we're fearful of, the mistakes that we regret in our past, We leave those areas of our life hidden. And so here's what this kind of looks like is, you know, this morning I I shine my light on my shoes. These are my Aldo Chelsea boots. And I love my Aldo Chelsea boots. I love these boots because they go with just about anything. Just about anything, I put them on, they're comfortable. And so like in my life, I will shine the light on my Chelsea boots. But what I won't shine my light on is the bald spot that I'm growing in the back of my head that I'm growing my hair out long on top to try to cover. And friend, we do that all the time in our lives. We shine the light on the areas of our life that we're proud of, that we like, that we think is acceptable. We leave the areas of our life that doesn't feel that way in darkness. Let's bring the lights up 
I want to illustrate this to you in this way. I want you to imagine this whiteboard today to represent the totality of your life. Like everything about your life is this whiteboard. Looks pretty exciting, huh? (laughs) What we tend to do in our life is we tend to have conversations with people and shine the light on things that we are okay with about ourselves. And so for some of us, we'll shine the light on our work. Like we'll talk about our job. We'll talk about like how much we love what we do. We'll avoid any of the negative stuff from our job. We'll avoid the negative stuff about how we're struggling to make ends meet, but we'll talk about the positive things of our job. Like for some of us, we'll talk about like the, the TV shows, right? The TV shows that you're starting to watch or the movie that you went and watched that you think is great, that you're quick to talk to other people about how they need to go see that movie. You'll talk about, um, in some respects, your kids. Um, you'll talk about all the good things, right? On social media, you're posting like all the stuff about your kids, like because your kids scored four goals. And... Um, We'll leave out the fact, like with, with my daughter Journey, that when she played soccer, um, and she, you know, when she was like, I don't even know how old, five, six, seven years old, and if you're a parent of soccer back in those days, you never can see the actual soccer ball. It's just the massive group of kids that moves around the uh, soccer field like this. And, um, but we'll talk about our kids, but we'll only talk about our kids the things that we like. Like, we'll rarely talk with people about the, mis- the misbehavior. We'll rarely talk about the fact that they're flunking, you know, um, a clap math at school. We'll rarely talk about those kind of things. Or what about hobbies? Like, we'll talk about some hobbies that we like. Like, I love to play golf. And so, you know, I'll talk about golf with guys. And we'll, we'll like our small group this past um, Wednesday, we'll, we'll stand around the campfire out there and, and talk about golf and talk about the favorite courses that you've played and all that kind of stuff. Or, or maybe this, like this one's kind of big. Um, like if you're on a diet, right? Especially if you're on a program like Octavia, because if you're on Octavia, you tell everybody, right? <laughs> it don't matter where you go on social media, you're hearing somebody talking about it. But you talk about like the diet, you talk about how much weight that you've lost on this diet, or maybe you'll talk about the workout plan, right? You found a, a workout plan that seems to be working for you. And so you're walking in, you're feeling better, you're communicating with people, letting them know. Maybe, maybe for you, it's about those season tickets. Like you're so excited that this year you've got the season tickets. And so you'll, you'll talk to some people about tripped right over that vent right there. How did I play that off? Um, <laughs> So in our life, what happens is, as we talk about the things, we shine the light on the areas of our life that we're okay with. But then all of us at somewhere in our life, all of us have a line. All of us draw a line, and this line represents shame and fear. And what happens is, is that the things that we don't like about our life, 
the things that we're afraid of what people are going to think and whether they're going to look at us different if they find out about it, that all of those things go underneath this line. And maybe for some, it's a, it's a hidden sin. It's something that only you know that you struggle with and, and you choose not to shine the light and you choose not to tell anybody about it. And, and for you, like, you're ashamed of that. You wish that you wouldn't do it anymore. And maybe you even pray and you ask the Lord to take that desire away and you just keep asking him. And it's like every week you feel like you're having to go back to God and to ask forgiveness because what you hate doing, kind of like what Paul talked about in, in, in um, the Bible, in the New Testament, that what you hate doing, you find yourself consistently doing over and over again. And so what ends up happening is you end up allowing that area of your life to be hidden. You don't walk in the light, you walk in the darkness in that area. Maybe for some, it's a, it's a marriage issue. If you write it real fast and scribbly, you can't tell that I missed, um, I, I didn't spell it right, right? But maybe for some, it's a marriage issue. Like on the outside, you could walk into a place like this and you put on the smile and you do a lot of great things, but... The minute that you walk home, the complete atmosphere changes. It's something that you feel like you, you can't communicate, you can't tell everybody, because if you do, then it changes everybody's perception that, that you and your spouse have it all together. Or maybe for some of you, it's, it's abuse. Maybe in the past, you were sexually abused or physically abused and, and you walk around your entire life carrying the stain of, of that experience, even though you probably had nothing to do with it to cause it, but you walk around in the darkness with this abuse, not walking in the light and shining the light, but, but in secret. Or maybe for you, it's the anxiety of the unknown like you struggle to, to, to not be in control in life. And so as life progresses and you lose control and you don't know what's happening and, and all of that stuff that, that you allow that to be hidden, you don't talk to anybody about it. You don't let anybody into kind of the inner circle of your life. Maybe for some of you, and I'm gonna get really, um, this is a real church and we're gonna talk about real issues Maybe for some of you, it's the porn addiction. And you walk around and you wear like on the outer side, like everything looks like everything's together and you've got everything where it needs to be. But deep down in the shadows of your life, you struggle with this addiction. You're ashamed in the fear of what it would look like if somebody knew about it. Or maybe for you, it's some other addiction Or maybe for some of you, it's this. And this plagues a lot of us dads sometimes. It's a short fuse. You walk into a place like this or the people at work and it just seems like you are the most caring, compassionate person in the room. But one thing gets set off from your spouse or your kids and you blow up. 
And you know that situation is wrong. You know that you need to do better. You know that you need to find help. But instead of walking in the light, you allow this area of your life to remain in darkness. Friend, this right here is what walking in darkness looks like. When John talks about that in this passage of scripture, he's saying, like, how are you living your life? The expectation is never on perfection, but are you living your life in such a way that you're allowing these things right here to remain in the shadows? Or are you saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm never gonna get things completely right. But what I am gonna choose to do is instead of walking in the darkness in my life, I'm gonna choose to walk in the light. That I'm gonna choose not to live a life that's hidden, but I'm gonna choose to live a life that is more revealed. And John says in verse seven, he shows us, and this is, I love this part, he shows us what walking in the light looks like, but he also shows us the benefits of walking in the light. He says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then what are we gonna do? We're gonna have fellowship with one another. This word fellowship is, for many of us, we would look at that as kind of like a Sunday hello, like, like I've got fellowship when I come into the foyer and I wave and I say hi, hi to a few people and I, and I sit in my seat. But this word fellowship in the original language is the word koinonia, and we're going to talk about that in more detail in this series. But, but it's the kind of fellowship where we are developing healthy relationships to the point that we can shine the light on the hidden areas of our life and know that everybody that we do that with will still have our back. And John says that when we live this way, look, look at this, this is so huge, that when we live this way, that the blood of Jesus cleanses, if you got your Bible, circle that, it cleanses us from all sin. Now, John doesn't say here that it forgives us of all sin. He says that when we walk in the light in this way, that it cleanses us from all sin. And here's the difference, is that forgiveness deals with the penalty of our sin. That when we fall short, the Bible says we all fall short, we all make mistakes, and forgiveness comes only through the blood of Jesus. And what forgiveness does is it says Jesus is going to pay the price because the Bible says there is a wage for all sin. Like somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay the penalty of the sin that you commit and I commit. And forgiveness is when Jesus pays for that. But to be cleansed deals with the residue of that sin. The penalty is no longer on our shoulders, but the weight of the decisions that we've made is. What John is trying to communicate 
to us in this passage is that when we walk in the light, when we choose to step out of the darkness in every area of our life, we have fellowship with others, then God cleanses us from our secret sins. Another way to say it is this, is that our yesterdays no longer determine our tomorrows. That our yesterdays no longer determine our tomorrow. Friend, as part of our vision as a church, to lead people into a transforming relationship with God. And we say that transformation happens like this. You got to first, you got to know God and then you got to find freedom and then you got to discover your purpose and then you've got to make a difference. And friend, that second part of our vision of finding freedom is this. So we all fall short. We all apparently walk into a room like this with some baggage and some secrets that we've been holding close to the chest. Things that God has already forgiven us of, but things that we still continue to carry the weight of. And John looks at these churches in 1 John and he's speaking through scripture to you and I today. That it's okay to have a private life, that it's okay to have some healthy boundaries in your life, but it's not okay to have a secret life. And friend, this, this is why making church a priority, this is why not making this as the only thing that you do to step into the light, but, but you step out of your comfort zone and, and you join a small group. This is why those are so important in our lives. It's because so many times we live our life in the darkness, only shining the light on the things that we like, keeping everything else hidden. John helps us understand in this scripture that when we live our life that way, we never discover the true freedom that God has for all of us. And all of our tomorrows end up being defined by our yesterdays. You know what's interesting about that study that I kind of opened with a study about the secrets and that the average person has 13 secrets is that when the participants with all of their secrets were asked, now watch this, cause it can get a lot, little confusing, but they were asked to judge the slope of a hill, okay? Or to estimate the distance of a certain length. This is what happened to those individuals every time they estimated the hill to be steeper and the distance to be longer. Let me boil that down to what that means. It means that when we live our lives 
all these secrets hidden and in the shadows. That as we look upon our life and we look upon our situation, that it always looks more difficult to overcome than it really is. Friend of someone who has had plenty of secrets in his life, I'm telling you today, I'm pleading with you today to quit walking into a place like this and keeping everybody at arm's length. Quit trying to live your life alone. Quit quit constantly pushing that stuff about your life that you don't like into the darkness. Because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna walk through this life and you're gonna miss out on all that God has for you. Not because he didn't forgive you of your sin, but because you never experienced true freedom. You never experienced a life that was not defined by your yesterdays. And that's the life that God has for all of us. A God not of second chances, but a God of another chance. A God that can step into the dark areas of our life and bring light and healing. Friend, that's what he wants to do for you. Listen, I want to challenge you that we just stepped into a new semester of small groups, and small groups is is really the best way at TC to be able to begin to step out of the shadows and the darkness and into the light. Last week we had our men's group that meets on Wednesday night at seven. There's a women's group that meets Wednesday night at seven. There's a ton of other uh, ladies groups and men's groups. And I've got a golf group and there's a whole lot of stuff that's out there. And there's gonna be a QR code on the screen that you can scan that'll take you there to, you can kind of scroll through. But, but it's in those kind of environments that you began to develop some relationships with some people. I'm not saying that you have the pressure of walking in night one and just all of a sudden dumping everything that's in, in your darkness into the light. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that you're never gonna find the fellowship that John's talking about that's gonna help lead to a cleansed life in an environment like this. But it's gonna come when you meet some new friends and you find out that you've got some things in common with some people and you begin to discover that, that not everybody in this room is perfect and that the people that you looked up to that you thought had everything together, that they've got issues too. And in that process, you begin to develop relationships and build trust and then at some point along the way, you realize that you've got somebody in your corner that is imperfect, just like you're imperfect. That you can open up about your marriage issues. You can open up about your addictions. You can open up about all the areas that are in the darkness of your life and they still got your back. They're not gonna expose you. They're not gonna ridicule you. They're not gonna look down at you. They're gonna look at you and say, This man or woman of God truly desires 
to walk in the light. And I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to hold him or her up when they feel the weakest. Everyone, would you bow your head with me today? Father, as always, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that today you are speaking to us to to get out of the darkness and to walk in the light. And God, I know that there are many people in this room that, God, the secret life is determining and ordering the steps of their real life. God, today in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would begin to stir in their heart. Lord, help them to see that, God, you've got more for them, as your word says, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think. But God, that's a promise that we only experience in the light, not in the dark. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you're here today. And the red flag of isolation to you is that you have pulled away from God. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you've, you've drifted away, you've isolated, you've hidden yourself from all that God has for you in a relationship with him. And, and today is the divine appointment that God is inviting you back into a right relationship with him. If that's you today, I wanna, I wanna lead you in a prayer, a prayer to restore that relationship with him. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand for just a second. It's a, it's a courageous decision that you're telling God, like I'm ready. I'm ready to come back to you. I'm ready to make you first and priority in my life again. Yeah, anybody else? If you raised your hand today and church families, say this with us. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me. Come live inside of me. Today I receive you as Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, could you give it up for those today that rededicated their life, asked the Lord back into their life. Hey, listen, Kim is getting ready to come out and close our service today. But if you raised your hand today, accepted Jesus into your heart or rededicated your heart, your life to him, listen, That prayer today isn't the finish line of your faith, it's the starting line. And I wanna encourage you at the end of the service today, our prayer team is gonna be along the front and I wanna encourage you to get out of your seat as we dismiss. I I wanna encourage you to get out of your seat and to come to the front and to receive prayer. Let, Let one of our prayer team members know that you prayed that prayer today so they could come alongside of you and help you know what's next in your journey with him. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. 
Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.